In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. From Him all things were made. The Scriptures are crystal clear that the Word, Jesus Christ, all things were created through Him. And on day one, the Bible tells us light was created. What I want you to know is that this light was life-giving. In other words, you can't have life unless you have light. Look at this from John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. In this scripture verse, John tells us that life leads, excuse me, light leads to life. So guess what that means? That means that in our world today, Jesus is our light, and Jesus leads us to life, which is salvation. In fact, we can go one step farther and we can say he's the only one that leads us to eternal life. It's kind of like this. I brought with me a flashlight. This is a good flashlight. And what I want you to know is that when I turn this flashlight on, there are two things that I recognize. Number one, I know where I am. But the other part about this flashlight is, is that it also shows me the path that I am supposed to walk. The Bible says it another way. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I want you to look at something in the book in of the Exodus. In the beginning, God created. We'll get it, huh? By the day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now, I want you to know, my dear friends in Christ, that these are some of the most comforting words that you could hear from the Old Testament. You see, what the Lord is saying, he's telling us this, is he said, that pillar of cloud that was there in the daytime and that pillar of fire that was there at the nighttime never left there its place in front of them for 40 years. Can you imagine what that would be like? It never left its place in front of them. So all the people had to do when they got up in the morning was to look for the cloud in the daytime and the pillar of fire by night. And then as it led them, all they had to do was trust and follow, right? 
But there was one other thing they needed to do. And we hear it from the New Testament. And this is what God is telling us. Yes, you have to trust the light and you have to follow the light. Oh, but you must remain in the light. Stand with me out of respect for God's word as I read two different verses. The first one is from John chapter 8, and it's verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then from 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, these words, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I have to admit, I haven't had much success walking in the darkness. Help me to walk in the light as you are in the light. And I pray this believing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We're in a series right now called I Am. And what we're doing is we're looking at the seven different statements, the I am statements in the book of John. All of them are recorded in there. Now, the reason that we're looking at these is because this is where Jesus describes himself. It's not an eyewitness. It's not one of the disciples. This is Jesus speaking, and he wants you and I to understand who he is. And so he describes himself. What I love about the way he does it is he always gives us an object lesson. We're visual learners, a lot of us. And when I can see what Jesus is trying to get me to understand, it's easier. And remember the very first I am? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Do you remember what happened just before he said that? He had just fed over 5,000 people from some loaves and some fish, right? The next day, what did the people do? They started looking for Jesus. Well, he had already gone across the lake, but when they found him, remember, they wanted more bread. Why? Because they thought that's what they needed. Listen very carefully. You see, what they really wanted from Jesus was what he could give them, not who he was. You ever been there before? Oh, I have. I want what Jesus can give me. I want the blessings. But what Jesus is telling us is, no, 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 what you need is the one who gives the blessings. Now today, we come to the second I am, and Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I want you to find yourself in this picture, okay? And we're in the temple area. It's during the Feast of Tabernacles. And let me explain that to you a little bit. There were three festivals that all of the Jewish males were required by law to pilgrimage to make a trip to Jerusalem. This is one of them. There was the Feast of the Passover, there was the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, and then there was this one, the Feast of Booths. 
in this festival, what they did is they celebrated how God provided for their forefathers in the wilderness, in the story of Exodus. Now, Jesus specifically is in the temple, and he's teaching. You know what's different about Jesus in this particular story? Is that he wants everybody to know that he's there. It's interesting to tell you that because in the morning when his brothers came to him and said, why don't you go to Jerusalem where the thousands of people are, hundreds of thousands of people, and why don't you just do a few signs, blow their socks off, and they'll have faith in you. And what does Jesus tell them? He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not my time. You know what Jesus did then? He went to the festival. Now, here's something that you have to really know. It's within a month of the crucifixion. So Jesus is laser focused on his teaching. And every word that he teaches has kingdom principles in mind. While he's teaching, there's a commotion. And I want you to just think about this. You're standing next to Jesus, and all of a sudden, right over there, there's this group of people that are making their way, and they're noisy. Everybody in the crowd is kind of splitting so they can get through, and then as he gets a little closer, guess what? You see what's going on. There's a group of the pastors, the local pastors, the leaders in the local church, and they've got a woman with them. When they get to Jesus, they throw the woman in front of him. She's just a pawn. They don't care about her, but she has been caught in adultery. Now imagine this poor young lady who's standing in front of Jesus. She has hardly any clothes on, maybe a bed sheet. Can you imagine the shame, the embarrassment that she feels in front of all of those people? And then what makes it worse are the leaders in the church, and they're pointing at her, and they say to Jesus, this woman deserves death for what she did. Now, I don't know about you, but that would send a chill through my spine. Now, I happen to be standing right next to Jesus, and do you know what the Bible tells us Jesus did? He doesn't answer them. I'm thinking in my mind as I watch him, I'm going, this guy's got guts. But you know what the Bible tells us he does? He bends down, and he starts writing in the dust. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody's doing that to me, I'm going to be looking to see what he's writing. But I want you to see this passage. It's in the Old Testament, okay? It's in the book of Jeremiah. Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be, look at this, written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. What in the world is happening here? I'll tell you. It's the last day of the feast. This is the day when the big celebration happens. But that morning earlier, there was something, a, a type of a celebration that took place that was very important. And what happened was, is that the priest would go, the high priest would go when he would dip his bowl in the golden lampstand, that, or excuse me, the golden bowl that had water in it, and then he would take that water and then he would parade it towards the Holy of Holies. 
Now, this was symbolic. This was symbolic. Not only were they praying for rain because this was the harvest time, this was a celebration, but it also reminded the people of how when the Israelites came to the waters at Meribah, those bitter waters of how the Lord provided for them. Do you remember how Jesus or how the Lord provided for them in the, in the wilderness? Here's what happened. They came to the waters of Meribah. That means bitter. When they came there, they couldn't drink the water. And the Lord told Moses, he said, take a log, a chunk of wood, and toss it into the water. And that chunk of wood will make the waters sweet, and they will be able to drink, and they will be saved. And I want you to understand something. Remember what I told you that Jesus knew was right around the corner, the crucifixion. In that moment, just like that chunk of wood was thrown into the water to save the people's life, Jesus would be crucified on a chunk of wood called the cross. And just like that cross, for anyone who puts their name, who calls on the name of Jesus, will be saved. That's the illustration that the people are about to understand. It's very quiet when this ceremony takes place. And you know what Jesus did? You're never going to believe it. He stands up in the middle of everybody, and in a loud voice, he cries out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and have drink. This is Jesus who usually wants to be behind the scenes and he screams this out in front of everybody. What was he saying? He was saying, you think water's gonna do it, but no, I will give you and I will quench your thirst forevermore. Now it's later in the day, back to our story. It's just before dusk. And now Jesus does something. I want you to remember that in the Greek, if you look at that phrase, writing on the ground, it could potentially mean to write or record accusations. So think about this. So Jesus could be there writing down the sins of those who are holding rocks in their hands of the things that they've done. Here's something interesting, and I just want to ask you this question. Have you ever wondered why it is that sinners treat sinners so harshly? I mean, in the church, you know what we say? We say this, the church is notorious for killing its wounded. Here's why we treat sinners that way. Look at this. Because the smell of stench on their own sin Excuse me, because they smell the stench of their own sin on those who have been exposed. Ouch. Isn't that the truth? But not Jesus. What does Jesus do to the woman? With open arms, he asks, where are your accusers? I don't see any. And since there are no accusers around here, guess what? Neither do I accuse you. And then he tells her something very important. He says, I want you to leave your life of sin. Just go and sin no more. Now what you need to understand is what it is that Jesus said to her. Here's what he said to her. Stop walking in darkness. 
and start living in the light. You know what I've learned about people who understand and know what grace feels like? They're no longer in the rock-throwing business. Would you agree? All right, now, remember I told you it's at dusk. Something very important is about to happen, but I want to show you something first. This is the court of, this is what the temple would have looked like in those days. And what I want you to know in that bottom part there where it says court of women, that's where Jesus is. There was a part right in the center of that that was called the treasury. That's exactly where Jesus is standing. I think it's interesting that we know all of these details. Now here's what I need you to understand. In the court of women, in each one of those four corners is this huge pole. And the pole is probably 35 feet tall. On top of this pole are these these containers that hold 65 gallons of oil. There are four of them, one in each corner. At dusk, the priests come with their servants. Those servants climb these poles carrying fire and they light each of the four pieces or parts of oil. Now, you know what happened when that happened? There was this huge light that all of a sudden came among them. Now, here's the thing about this. The light was so bright, not only did it do its duty, which was to support the service of celebration and then the all-night party, but what it did, it was so bright that it lit up the entire city of Jerusalem. This is now the time when Jesus says this phrase. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In other words, what Jesus is saying is this. If you walk in the light, that light will always lead you to life. Don't ever miss that point. Wherever you are walking, make sure it's in the light because that path always leads to life. He's talking about salvation. Now here's how the book of 2 Corinthians explains it, and I love this passage. Look what it says. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Write this down. We call this the great exchange. And here's what I mean by that. In this passage, we learn that Jesus gets what we deserve, and we get what he deserved. That just blows my mind. That Jesus went to the cross on my behalf so that I could wear that robe of righteousness and he would experience my death and my punishment that was in place for me. Now Jesus just said that he was the light of the world But now I want you to know that now he tells us there's someone else who's the light of the world also. Take a look at this. You are the light of the world. (laughs) Did you just hear that? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When I was growing up, uh, probably in seventh or eighth grade, okay, I remember I got a brand new bicycle. I was living in West Bend, and it was a Schwinn. Don't you dare laugh. It was the coolest bike you've ever seen. <laughs> now, one of the things that I did was is I put reflectors all over it so that when the lights would shine on those reflectors, get out, guess what? I would light up like a Christmas tree, Okay. Now, I want you just to think about this for a moment because this is the image that I believe that the Lord wants us to have in this moment. When those lights from the cars would shine their lights on my reflectors, those reflectors would refract that light and they would see me all red and blue colors like a Christmas light, as I said. But here's what I want you to remember. There's two things that happened the very first thing that happened was that light protected me and kept me from danger. Do you understand? That's what happens when we live in the light. And it's not my light. It's the light of Jesus that lives in me that shines brightly. And guess what? That light protects me and keeps me from danger. But there's a second thing that happened there. You know what it was? Because I looked like a Christmas tree, it altered the path of those cars who were following me. Now, I want you to listen very carefully because the Bible tells us that all of us, we are light lights, and we are to shine and shine bright. And when you are in the light... You are protected. God watches over you. But also, because you are in the light, you have an impact on other people's lives. People are attracted to light. Where there is light, it's just like those bugs. They go towards the light. So think about it. Jesus is telling us, each and every one of us here at Central Community, you are a light and you are to go out into the world and wherever that may be, you are to shine and shine bright. So it may be in your classroom. It may be at your friend's house. It may be in the hospital this week. It may be in the waiting room. It may be in surgery. It may be at your work. Wherever you are, you are supposed to shine like Jesus, the light of the world. You see, when you walk into that doctor's office or when you walk into that classroom, people should go like this. They should. And when they get used to that shine, that light that you have, guess what? They're going to want to come near you. So the question is, is that, so how do we get our lights to shine bright? How do we get them to shine brighter? And the answer is real quickly, or real, real, real simple. Here's the first one, God's word. Guys, I want to tell you something. This word is powerful. Do you know that? And if you don't believe me, can I challenge you? Read a chapter from this word for one month, every day for one month, and I promise you, you will be different. People will notice it in you. 
They'll say, you're not the same person. What's happening? You know what? I will tell them, guess what? You have changed. The word of God has changed you. Come to worship. Be in prayer. Do good deeds for others. That's how you let your light shine. But you know what? I also learned something else about those reflectors I had on my bike. Sometimes I would drive through the mud. I thought that was pretty cool. My mom didn't. But you know what happened? Mud would get over those reflectors. And guess what happened? Light can't shine off of a dirty reflection. You know what? Sometimes in life, we're we're like that dirty reflector. You see, that light, as it comes towards the reflector, it's supposed to refract in that same manner. And what happens is is we we have this incredible light. But when the light is dirty, the reflector's dirty, it won't, it won't reflect that light. So what do you do? How do you clean up your life? Repent. Spend time in the Word. Read Psalm 51. God, I've really blown it. And this is the 152nd time that I've blown it with this particular sin. And I'm trying, Lord, but I don't know what it is, but I want to bring it to you, and I just want you to know, Lord, that I'm like that man in the back who's beating my chest saying, have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. But I know, God, that my, my, my sin has been paid for at the cross, and so I wear this robe of righteousness, and I want to say thank you because I don't want to live like that. And watch what God will do in your life. I thought it would be good this morning to have a visual. And so I'm going to ask um, all of those who are going to help me get this across, I'm going to ask if you would just come forward, and I'm going to ask if we would turn off all of the lights, and you have a candle, and we're going to use those in just a minute. Here's what I want you to understand. You remember I told you that the light that is shining within us is not our light, it's the light of Jesus. In the last couple of weeks, we've had over 15 people go through the waters of baptism. Isn't that awesome? And you know what? They want that same Jesus that went to the cross for them that allowed them to identify with him by being buried with Christ and raised to new life in his resurrection, you know what? They want that light to shine for others to see. Today, we're going to light our lights from that Christ candle. And what I want you to know is that, you know what? Your light will shine bright, but when you're within the body, it'll shine even brighter. Pastor Phil is going to sing a song, and at this moment, we're going to pass this light around. And I want you just to watch what happens. If there's one voice being raised If there's one heart lifting praise Bringing glory to your name Let it be me If there 
just one life being changed in the light of your grace who is caught in your embrace let it be me the light of everyone who's in this room. And I want you to know that the world is a very dark place. And wherever you go, Jesus is asking you, will you be that light that shines in the darkness? But we also need to shine brightly as a church. Our world needs central community to be a light. Satan does not want this to happen. He wants to separate us. He wants us to stay away from the body because he knows there's power in numbers. But Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Our world needs us to be that light. And through our witness, we can help people's lives. We can change the path and the direction that they're on simply through the power of the Holy Spirit. In a little while, you're gonna to go to lunch. You may have an opportunity in the parking lot. I know you'll have it in traffic. But all through this week, the Lord Jesus has asked you to go to your workplace, to the hospitals, wherever, and to be a light for him. But please remember, my friends, the light has to start at home. It has to start at home in your marriages and in your families. And when it starts there, then it can go out and it can illuminate everywhere. I'm going to ask you to stand right now and to hold your lights up. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy. Now go and light his world.